Thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for showing so much love. We have reached 1,100 followers on Instagram. So I appreciate each and every one of you for helping me and Nick reach that goal. But if you don't know already, my name is Chanel Wilkins. And my name is Nick Provenzano. And thank you for watching eight episodes of the West Next Podcast Sports Edition, the show that has helped grow um, the West Next Podcast to the level it's at right now. So I appreciate all of you. And if you don't know already, you can follow the Instagram underscore West Next Podcast underscore. You can watch these episodes of those What's Next Podcast Sports Edition on Spotify, RSS.com, and Apple Podcasts. Also, you can watch it on Podcorn, Google Podcasts. It's, it's all over the place, so make sure to check it out. Make sure to watch it. Make sure to share, download, repost, do all that stuff for us as it helps support the channel. And it can invite more content onto the show. So your support means everything. So we really appreciate <coughs> I see I got a little cough going on. Got a little sick today, so... If I'm quiet, it's because of that. But thank y'all for watching the West Next podcast. Let's dive into this, Nick. As you know, we have the World Series, and the Astros won in Game Six on a four to one. The Astros, the Houston Astros, as we both predicted, are the World Champions. Nick, what are your reactions? Just off rip. I'm not sure if I predicted it. I, I didn't think I was gonna give a game to it, but I did picture the Astros winning in in um either six or seven. I mean, I was going to give the Phillies a bit of a fight, but ultimately I thought that the Astros uh, and their fantastic pitching would eventually land them a win in this series. Uh, and that's someone coming from someone who doesn't watch baseball that much anymore. I mean, I used to watch baseball as a kid, but now I, listen, this was a great World Series for me to come back in and tune back into baseball. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly too thrilled that the Astros won, but I, I'm, I'm very happy that I got to see a great World Series. It's kind of like, kind of like watching, like, I, I might not compare, but you know, like how you know the Patriots like cheated a couple years ago, and like you know we were just like, oh, no one wants to see the Patriots win. It was kind of like that feeling for me of the Astros, and even though I'm a Mets fan, I shouldn't really be voting against against Philly. That I was really, really rooting for them to win this, but I was just really glad that we got to see a, a great game. I got to see best best of both teams. I got to see a dominant win by Philly, followed by shitting the bed and having them having uh, Astros pitch a no hitter, and then just having the, a competitive game between both teams right after that, and for Astros to close it out was absolutely amazing in the series, and just props to both teams. There's nothing really I gotta say other than it was a great World Series. I guess props to the Astros, and, you know, we gotta go back to the next season. It's gonna be a while since, uh, you know, spring training and everything, but, you know, excited to go back to that time. It was an exciting World Series, and obviously, though, if you didn't watch the game on Saturday night, you would have saw that Yodin Alvarez hit that three-run homer in the sixth inning, and that propelled the Houston Astros to victory as the Phillies just couldn't do anything at the plate as they only had three hits the entire game. Man, Valdez. I'm not sure if you know Famber Valdez, uh, Nick. He pitched in game two, and they and that was probably one of the most impressive games the Astros. They won that game, and he was dominant pitching this game. Six innings. He pitched six whole innings, nine strikeouts, only allowed two hits. Like, this man was this man's so damn good. All, he was an all-star this year, and it, and it really was on display this game as couldn't do anything like Billy was just shut down at the plate and the Astros did just enough to win the game offensively batting it really was just Alvarez's um three-run homer that got him the victory um and also they got another run in that uh same inning the sixth inning that's where all the scoring happened but it, it was it was incredible it was incredible to watch the Houston Astros they're just that damn good uh and the Phillies you know there's always next year. They still have a really good team. They still have a lot to build for in the future. And I'm excited for the, I'm excited for the Phillies' future. But right now, it's just not their time. It's the Astros' time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think the Phillies are definitely not done. And I think um, you know the whole division with the I think with the NL East, right? The NL East is just insanely like uh, insanely competitive division because you've got the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves all in there, really willing to fight fight it out. 
Uh, and we were able to see that uh, during the regular season. And I'm still very salty that the Braves just snuck in and swooped our first round, our, our, our bi-week spot from under us and blending us in the wild card game. But that's a different story. But I just know that, both, that, that all those teams are going to be competitive next season. And uh, like I said, I'm excited. I'm actually really excited to go back to baseball next year. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Honestly, this season made me want to watch baseball a little more next year. Uh, as far as my team, the New York Yankees, I'm very afraid. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Judge is about to hit free agency this year. And that's probably my new favorite player in baseball. So I hope he stays with the uh, white and blue. I think he will. I think he will stay with us on a big time contract. Uh, but, you know, you never know. But um, if we have him, I know we got a shot. So I, I'm just I'm just rooting for the Yankees next year. Phillies, I hope you all. I mean, I hope you all do well. But that championship needs to come to New York and not with the Mets. It needs to come with the Yankees once again, as it has the history of my favorite player ever, one of my favorite athletes ever, Mr. Derek Jeter. If you don't that, if you don't already know that about me, I'm a big Derek Jeter fan. So that's why I love the Yankees so much. And uh, I'm not gonna stop caring and rocking with the Yankees until I don't know, maybe maybe someone, maybe another favorite player of mine will come through on a different team, and I'll just enjoy them a lot. Like for example. <clears throat> For example, like in this series, I really mess with Robert Valdez. I, I like him a lot. Like he he was really he was really fun to watch. Uh, Ryan Presley, uh, Ryan Presley, Jeremy Pena. Talk about an MVP of the World Series. Like Jeremy Pena uh, was two of four in the closing game, game six of this series. He was the extra run actually um, during this during the game that helped them get the win and. Overall, just was hitting key home runs, making plays at the field. He's a rookie, so he's young. Like I like him. I, I like him a lot. I know he's gonna be on the Astros for a while now, but you know, once you get to be one of the best players in the league, come over to New York, not the Mets, but the Yankees. That's all I gotta say. Nick, you have anything to add there? No, but um, I I listen. I'm not gonna be that much into into uh, trade talks. Who's going here? Who's going where? Different prospects that are being called up to different teams. All I gotta say is that I'm just. I'm ready to don those uh those uh blue and those blue and orange uh stripes once again with the with the with the gray with the gray on them and just you know just tune in next season. Yeah, I mean, do you think your Mets are gonna make the um playoffs next year? I think so. I think I, I think though we might have a bit of uh I think this was our best chance to to make a real <laughs> run at it. I mean, we do our owner is now like insanely like rich, so he's just willing to like throw money like at places that we just needed. I mean, you saw what happened when uh we got like uh Francisco Lindor. So yeah, you know, we, he's, he's willing to just like to break the bank to sign these guys to huge contracts. The problem is if, if they're always going to produce, because I know for a, a big stretch during our season that our hitting was not as good and our pitching was trying to carry us out of bad situations. So that's always something we got to watch out for. But I think if you had to ask me, I think we still make it, but we probably are not fighting for like the uh, like the top spot in the NL East. We might just fight for like the top spot, the, like the top like wild card spots. That's my prediction. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I think it's a fair prediction. Yeah, and to all my baseball fans, if you want more baseball content, you got you got to let your voices be heard. Make sure to DM me at underscore West Next Podcast underscore. I might do like a quiz one day on my Instagram. See what you all know. See if you all are really fucking with the content as much as the uh, y'all as the numbers seem to show. So we'll see. We'll see. But. Like I said, if you, and that's, that's not just for baseball, that's for anything. If there's something you truly want to see, just DM me on the West Next Podcast, make your voices heard, and we'll try our best to get it out there. Me and Nick are for the people, so, you know, that's why I say that. Now, let's get into the NFL. Let's talk about sport that we know a little bit better. Uh, let's talk about uh, week nine of the NFL season. I mean, we're, since we're at the midway point of this season, I decided... You know what? I think it would be fun to do midseason awards. A lot of people are doing the midseason awards this year, but we do it a little differently here on the West Next Podcast. We have 13 different categories for the award. We have different options. You can choose outside the options 
that I have available. And we do we do a lot of great we do a lot of great stuff. We're gonna do NFL Game of the Year, Coach of the Year, um, Underwhelming Player of the Year, Best NFL Personality of the Year, uh, Groundbreaking Moment, all that type of stuff. So you guys, so make sure you stick around to tune in. But before we do, we have a couple key games we gotta dive into that I know you all listen and want to hear about, especially the New York teams, as we are from the New York area. So. We actually had a New York battle uh, week nine of the NFL season events two, with two dominant teams, both in the AFC East. So it was a division rival matchup between the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. And Nick, I'm not sure if you consider this an upset. I consider it an upset. The New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills 20 to 17, and I moved on to six and three. I think the Bills are still at the top of the di- yeah. The Bills are still at the top of the division as the Jets handed them their second loss. The Jets had three losses, but they have but both teams have the same amount of wins, but. It's ama- I mean, it's amazing. The Jets, even without their top running back, still came in and beat the Buffalo Bills. So, Nick, just what are your thoughts on that game? That was a great game. If there was any a division that could possibly rival the NFC East in terms of how competitive their teams are, it's no doubt about it. It's the AFC East. It's the other side of it. And, um, I, listen, uh, we, me and you predicted kind of like off record off the podcast that we thought that the Bills are going to come in here and they were going to absolutely steamroll these boys. And, um... Because we, honestly, we saw what happened with Zach Wilson and against a very mediocre team. I think me and you would agree, a very mediocre team in the New England Patriots at this point in the season. And we saw him throw three interceptions in a very winnable game. And I said before on episodes of this podcast that trading for James Robinson after uh, Bryce Hall <laughs> goes down was a desperate move saying, hey, we can still run the ball. And I think they made that trade because they didn't believe much in Zach Wilson. But... um. Listen, I, I gotta give credit 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 where I gotta give credit where credit is due because Zach didn't really make a whole lot of bad mistakes. He knew that the defense was coming after him. He knew that the defense was going to be opportunistic and try to capitalize his mistakes, especially for a quarterback going into his second season. Um, and boy, like the Jets' defense just played—they play fiery, they play feisty. I want to watch Jets games every week because of them. Like they make watching defense fun in the NFL and. I can't give Robert Sala enough credit for making this team very, like a very solid unit on all ends of the defensive side. It's just yeah. kind of getting Zach and and this and this running game and this receiving game, at least uh, to middle of the pack to getting them to like top twelve in the offense. That's what he needs to do to get this team like really, really good. But they're already on on the start to becoming something really special. Um, and you saw that that play at the end of the game where Sauce Gardner just completely locked up that receiver and had an incomplete pass for Josh Allen, turning the balls on turning the ball over on downs and handing the Buffalo Bills their second loss of the season. And um, you heard Josh Allen, like, in the press conference. If anybody's heard his, heard his press conference, go watch it. It was really funny to see him really say, like, well, you know, it's tough to win it. He, I think the quote was, yeah, no, it's tough to win in this game when your quarterback plays like shit. <laughs> he said that about himself. Uh, I do like how Josh is, is taking full responsibility, full accountability. That's what you want to see out of your quarterback. You want to see him be a grown man. You want to see him, like, come out of these dark moments. And he realized that was a bad moment for him to lose a very winnable game against an opponent that is very tough, very tough divisional rival. But man, kudos to the Jets. I believe the Jets sit now at six and three. And mm-hmm. I think the Bills, they're, uh, I think like six and two now. Yep. So they, so yeah. Um, And obviously you guys are right there and pretty sure New England is what, like five and four. I, at this point, I believe they're five and four. Right? <clears throat> Let me check. Yeah, wow. they're five and four. You got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. This division is very is really starting to come alive. I think we should really take into consideration that that that. Okay, we all kind of know that like that like the NFC East is very competitive. The NFC South is a dumpster fire, which everybody's trying to like claim. But this this division is extremely tight. Like I I, I honestly yeah. believe that. Like the Patriots always play the Jets hard. 
the Jets beat the Bills, the Miami beat the Bills. I mean, like, you realize that, that both the Jets' losses came at divisional opponents? Like, isn't that, isn't that like, worth saying? Like, this, people are, were ready to crown the Bills as the de facto, including me, the de facto uh, champion, de facto Super Bowl champion, and now... They are sitting at their second loss in a very competitive division. Kudos to the Jets. Josh Allen, hope he rebounds from back uh, back from this. I think he, the Bills will be better if he plays well and doesn't turn the ball over. But he just have to he just has to compartmentalize himself and make sure he doesn't do that a lot. It was the first time the whole season I seen him like uncomfortable in the pocket. Like it was really a different Josh Allen. He wasn't himself. Like that just shows how good New York defense is. The New York Jets defense is. But I don't think it was so much the pressure. I think it was a lot of the secondary. Like. LaMarcus Joyner, obviously Sauce Gardner, all of them cats, like, boy, they're good. Like, they might be the best secondary in the league, arguably, right now. I'm, I'm not saying they are definitively, but they're amongst the top. Like, they they didn't shut down Stephon Diggs, but they did a really good job on Stephon Diggs, and they for damn sure shut down Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis was, like, non-existent this game. I don't know what happened to him. He, he was, he was like, barely there. I forgot he was even in the game. Maybe he thought he was injured. But, yeah, they did a yeah, but the Jets are really, really good right now, and this was a really great win to prove it. And also, this is one of the best Jets wins in years. Like, usually the Jets struggle really bad against the Buffalo Bills. Like, usually they don't win those games, and usually they just struggle in general. And this win, especially with the season they're having, I think it's a legitimizer win. This is the win to give the Jets their all, their respect. Like, I think now people, after this win, are truly going to respect the New York Jets as a credible threat. And yeah, that, yeah, but, I, I think so. I think so. You got to, all right? I mean, they, they, they beat the Bills. They beat the Bills. Come on. It's it's time for everybody to stop with the whole like oh they they, they haven't really fought anybody that tough like no they they they've, the Jets have been battling all this season Let's give them some props no they're for real now they they just proved they are for real legit now and speaking of a team that proved themselves to be legitimate my Miami Dolphins be it uh, be it our defense needs a lot of help I don't know what the hell happened to our defense the last two games we should not be giving up. 30-plus points to the Chicago Bears, and we for damn sure shouldn't be giving up 176 rushing yards to Justin Fields. My def- Yeah, the defense, I, I I can go off on the defense right now. Like Our defense is absolutely embarrassing, and we don't have a good reason why we're embarrassing, because it's not like we're not talented. It's just that we suck that bad on defense the past two games. And uh, that needs to be fixed immediately. <clears throat> Sorry, like I wish I could go a little off a little more, but my, you know, my little allergies are calling me to not be able to do that. But Bradley Chubb, we already paid Bradley Chubb a long-term contract. We already signed him to a long-term contract, and he did nothing this game. Our secondary, Xavier Howard didn't play all that well this game. Uh, for damn sure, Byron Jones hasn't. Jeez, he has not been playing well at all. And our, and we still have no pressure. No one can tackle Justin Fields. It was ridiculously bad on defense, but thankfully, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, two uh, Mike Gusecki, our offensive line, they took care of business. They made sure we won. So shout out to them as being a re- well-respected offense at this point. If you don't respect them as an offense, you better start fucking respecting them now. That's all I just got to say about that. Nick, what are your thoughts? Um, You know, I thought that the Dolphins often, obviously you guys still need to figure out what's going on on this defensive side. That's I know that you alluded, you alluded to it in past weeks, and it's I mean, if the if the Lions game wasn't enough to tell you this game <laughs> against another you know mediocre opponent, you would also have to raise some eyebrows towards um what's going on with with their defense. I mean, second straight week in a row that uh you know their defense is falling like flat on their face, and it's not helping their very potent offense with uh with uh, Tua Tungawailoa, and in my opinion, one of the greatest deep threats we've ever seen in, in a while, Tyree Kill. Like he's undoubtedly, I think he's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm, Gonna be real honest, because I know we're giving out like mid-season awards, awards later. Tyreek will be one of them. I'm not ready to to say what he is, 
but he is one of the well, one of the awards I will give out. Now, I think this game more so spoke to because I, I had a feeling Miami was gonna win this one. I think that your offense was not gonna let you down. But I think this game was more so how I the Bears should absolutely and I don't know if who's calling the shots. I don't know if the owner's calling the shots. I don't know if Ibrafus is calling the shots, but you don't give up on Justin Field. This game proved yeah. why you he did it. What do you want? You want you want him through the air? He only had 123 yards, but he got three touchdowns through the air. What do you want? You want on the grounds? He got even more yards. He was their lead runner by far. He had 15 carries for 178 yards. Mike McDaniels came over to him after his car touchdown and said, stop running. Stop running on us. Because Mike McDaniels is real. Mike McDaniels knows what a good player is. And he just had to give him props when he saw when he saw Justin Fields blaze down the sideline and burn Miami defenders. And listen, we all know... <laughs> The Bears are kind of a dumpster fire when it comes to kind of like everything around them. There are times where their defense looks absolutely like mid. There's times where the defense looks great. And there's, de- and there's defensive performances where they let the Dolphins run all over. And then obviously his receivers are not giving him what they need. He has uh, the biggest, uh, I mean, we all talk about Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney had 43 yards today. That was the most yards. He had one touch, but for 40, he had, he had seven receptions for 43 yards. That was the most yardage their receivers had the entire day. Justin Fields literally carried this team to a win, if that wasn't obvious enough. Komet also had like 41 yards. And I also talked about the rushing, right? Justin Fields had 178 rushing for 15 carries and a touchdown. The next rusher was David Montgomery with 14 carries for 36 yards. <laughs> he at Chanel, he averaged 2.6 yards a carry. I don't know, Justin. I think I, I think that it is, it is time for this organization to put pieces around this man, uh, this young man, and he needs to be able to put his stomp, put his stomp, put his stamp on this NFC North. And it, it, I mean, look, this division is slowly starting to creep out of the, out of the, the, the um the Packers control. I mean, it has been ever since the season started, really, right? And um now the Vikings are obviously in first place now. The oh, Lions nice. just got a win against them. Uh, you know, you know, and who knows the Lions? They play hard, and so do the Bears. They played hard against you guys. And <coughs> if you want to make an impact, surround your best player. Please surround your best player with. And please, for the love of God, Chicago, give this man an offensive line. I saw this man last year, his rookie season, run for his life because you guys signed the biggest, nice, the nicest revolving door, Jason Peters, who who just who just let. I call him the nicest revolving door because he let he let defenders walk right by him and just and just did not stop him because he's so damn old. But listen, just please surround your best player with the best talent next season. It's a little bit too too late to do it now, and obviously you guys might not finish that good because you guys are probably gonna get a good draft pick. But listen, use those draft picks to build this team around Justin Fields, and that's that's all I have to say about the Bears in this game. The Dolphins look amazing off offensively as usual, and they just need to work on their defense clearly. Not clearly, clearly, immediately, not soon enough. Any any sort of like synonym you can you can you can address to them. You can apply it to the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel and trying to figure out. They need to carry the offense's bag for this week. Like I th- I think they should be carrying on the airport on the bus. They need to the defense needs to carry the offensive player bags for this week. That's how shameful they were this game in my opinion. But a win's a win. That's what matters. To uh, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle. Don't forget about Jalen Waddle, by the way, Nick. Oh no, like, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not forgetting about Jalen Waddle. He's sensational. Like Jalen, Jalen Waddle, sensational. I just think that there's a certain somebody who has done something <laughs> offensively that I feel like I haven't seen in a while, and that's the man who I put on on the midseason list. And that that is Mr. Tyreek. Well, let's get to your team, Nicholas. Uh, your yeah. your team did win this week in a hell of a game. Uh, they beat on Del- Los Angeles, I mean not Los Angeles, Las Vegas Rams. The Los Angeles Rams. Am I am I tripping? Yeah, sorry. Los and Las Vegas Raiders. The Los <laughs> An- they also suck. No, 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 the Los Angeles Rams, you know, lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <coughs> okay, I, 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 I know I know you're sick. So now listen, our audience knows you're sick, okay? 
but just relax. Don't worry. I got this one, okay? You got this so one. So the yeah. LA Rams came into the Tampa Bay territory. They came into Raymond James Stadium. A lot of people thought, including a lot of analysts, had had uh, some thoughts about which quarterback, quarterback poised for greatness, was would look like their former self. Because obviously Stafford didn't look like him former self throughout the season. Neither has Brady. And a lot of people were banking on the Rams and Aaron Donald to make an impact in this game. And for sure, yeah, they did. Uh, both these teams had a very low-scoring affair. It all came down to uh, both these teams holding I, holding each other to, uh, I think, the by the end of the fourth quarter, it was about 13 to 9 Rams. And Tom Brady marched his team down the field after the two-minute warning. Scotty Miller missed a wide-open pass in the end zone. I mean, you can put that ball per- more perfectly. It hit him right in the chest. And Scotty doesn't miss a lot of those, but he did. We ended up going three and three and out from from uh within inside the ten yard line, and it looked like the the, the Rams were gonna run out the clock and they were gonna win the game. Um, and uh, the Bucks defense did not let that happen. Uh, Todd Bowles, I know I've been shitting on you for a lot of weeks. Your defense is, yeah. is, is good, buddy. Okay, props to that. And they really held they held Cooper Cooper Cup on that nice run. He had he he made a a weird move to slide in bounds and have the have the Bucks waste a timeout, but that might have cost them actually. And then obviously we stopped them on the next consecutive downs to get the ball back. Um, Tom Brady then marched down the field. Scotty Miller made up for his drop pass in the end zone by completing two beautiful outside comeback routes to the sideline to go out of bounds that led us into into uh, the red zone. We ended up getting a PI pass interference uh, against Mike Evans, which led us all the way down to the, the goal line in which Tom Brady did a play to Cade Otten, our new our tight end, to get, to get a touchdown. And this happened right after Cade Otten's late great mom had passed away. So RIP to her. And Cade Otten was the one to score the touchdown to ultimately give the Bucks the win. Game ball this week went to Camarada, uh, our, our punter. Because the punting in this game was absolutely sensational. I don't know what it was. For all the NFL fans uh, know that Ray Guy, legendary punter, Hall of Fame punter, passed away tragically this week. So maybe they, all these punters were fueled by the ghost of Ray Guy. But there was a lot of good punts in this game by both teams. And um, yeah, the, Matt Camarada got, got, the, got the game ball because his punts really helped the defense establish themselves with the, with very with very backed up field position for the Rams offense. So that was really good to see him get the game ball. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie. Me and Chanel, we both talked about how I was like, okay, this team might just want to just tank because I, I don't really see the Bucks getting back into a groove. But damn, this is how you know I love football. It was really, really good seeing the Bucks get a win. It was really, really, really good to see Brady go over to Byron Leftwich and hug him. <laughs> like the biggest hug I've ever seen a man give another grown man. And it was really good seeing Brady go up to the press conference and say, damn, that felt good. It felt really fucking good because, you know, this team deserves it. But, uh, well, I'm going to really say deserve it because they only scored like 16 points. But, you know, you know what I mean. It's happy to see everybody be happy. We go to Munich next, play the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know how well we'll fare against them. But for right now, I can enjoy the win. Great win by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They sit on top of the division, and they are first in the division now after that win, sitting at a wonderful 4-5. and five. You know, but like you said, you can't tank because you're at the top of the division right now midway through the season, so you got to keep going. And finally, we're going to talk quickly about the Sunday night game. Kansas City Chiefs versus Tampa uh, versus Tennessee Titans. Uh, nice comeback at the end by the Kansas City Chiefs to get them the win. Patrick Mahomes, of course, played wonderful, and they won this game in a close, competitive matchup, twenty to seventeen, if I'm not mistaken. Am that I was indeed the final score. Yes, it was. There we go. You have twenty to seventeen. Nick, what are your thoughts on that game? So uh, during this game, I don't know. Kansas City uh, just proved why you know they always like you know they they're able to push the game into overtime and they're ultimately the ones to win this game. I know a lot of people were very upset. That that uh, Tyreek, uh, not Tyreek. What am I saying? He's not even on the team anymore. That Travis Kelsey had a uh, penalty drew against him 
Uh, I think it was pass interference against one of the Tennessee uh, secondary men. When he literally, when I, I literally saw this in real time, I don't know how to explain it. Travis Kelsey literally ripped this man's helmet off trying to block him. He literally, and, and he was the one who got penalized. And I was like, what is going on? A lot of people were very upset at that, that, that uh, they said that Kansas City got bailed out by the refs in this game. And, you know, they might have. But that's just how the NFL works, right? I mean, if I was a Titans fan, I'd be absolutely upset about that call. Don't get me wrong. But um, there's always going to be trash calls in the NFL. There's always going to be, like, things you can't really do out of your control. But you just got to look at how it was. I mean, Tennessee did a great job of staying into it with the, with, with the, with the Chiefs. And the Chiefs did not look very potent on offense against them, which is also very good. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes did Mahomes things and was able to let his team down and win the game ultimately. Also had great stats throughout the game. I mean, Mahomes did his thing. That's really all I have to say about this game. I think this matchup might be in the playoffs future. I mean, the way that the, that the uh, AFC South is going, it looks like the Titans are going to win. So, and you know, it looks like that Casey probably going to... Yeah, most likely going to wrap up the AFC West. So yeah, we'll just we'll just see right now where all this takes us into the playoffs. But these are two teams really potent, uh, you know, running game and uh, potent passing game that we're gonna see in the playoffs again. And I can't wait to see it. Um, you know, I like when both these teams play. They always go hard, and it's always a fun time to watch. Yeah, um, and I just want to quickly talk about the Titans real quick. I think they look better with Malik Willis than Ryan Tannehill, to be honest. And I say that because I think Malik Will- uh, Willis improves their run game because he's a threat on the ground. Not that Dan Hill can't run, but Malik Willis kind of runs running skills are different and better. You know, it's kind of like a little, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson, just quite not quite as good. So you know, it makes it makes the offense think twice about the run game. And Derrick Henry, as we know, is King Henry and you know one of the goats right now. You know, he's the number one rusher in, t- in uh, Tennessee Titans history either right now. So I think I think they should start rolling with Malik Willis. I think he does a good job of avoiding mistakes. He, obviously, he's not a lethal great passer right now, but with Derrick Henry on your team, you don't really have to be, as Ryan Tannehill has proven. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, in, in, in your Miami days uh, that you saw Tannehill, you know, Tannehill is athletic as hell. Yeah. Um, that white boy can run. <laughs> but you, 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 not quite you, like Malik Willis, though. Not quite like Malik because Malik is one younger and two. You know, these kids coming out of college, you, you know, they're built different. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're feeding them, but for some reason, every like, like, it feels like the next generation, something more athletically gifted comes their way and Malik is just blessed at running as being a runner and a passer so I that obviously works better in his favor and I think that Tannehill unfortunately I just think it, it, it's it, it's his time I mean I don't know about Vrabel because you know Vrabel is obviously someone who comes <laughs> in the Belichick tree and trusts the veteran quarterback to win so who knows about that but you know, I, I think it's time to pull the plug on Tannehill. I think Tannehill's obviously had a great career as a starter. Maybe he gets another chance somewhere else. But he obviously had his best team in Tennessee. And you know that, he, that he's had a lot of, you know, because then that those Miami years, and you know this firsthand, you know that Philbin and those Miami years were kind of painful to watch. And, you know, like, Fuck guy. yeah, you, you know that. Come on. You know the Miami team. Those Miamis weren't good. We saw a flash of Tannehill, and you, ultimately people thought that Tannehill couldn't get it done in Miami because, you know, the whole, the whole team didn't look good. Then when when he went over to the Titans, and he had a career resurgence, and he did well. But the last season, not this season, but last season, he he did not look very well. You know, he threw 21 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. He had the worst tight TD interception ratio, I think, in the playoffs. And ended up coming out, coming back to bite them because they they could have won against the Bengals, but they they lost against them. And you know, I think Tannehill has shown you all he really can show you. I think he's a good he's a great play action passer who can scramble, but he's more of a game manager than anything. And I think Malik has more. Big playability. I think that's what these new kids in college. That's what I think what what teams want. They want someone who can run well and pass well and have the chance to 
break open big plays whenever they can. And I think Malik can do that for this team. No, absolutely. Like I said, I, I think Malik will bring the new dynamic of freshness to the team, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, maybe they'll still start Tannehill. Tannehill wasn't benched. He had he had the injury. He had the ankle injury, so that's why he wasn't playing. But you know, maybe they, maybe it'll be time to move on pretty soon. But I think we talked about these games long enough. Let's talk about what people came to see. The midseason awards, NFL 2023. We are at week nine. There's 18 weeks in the NFL season. And since we are at the midway point, I think it's time to talk about midtime awards. As I told you before, we have a lot of awards. We're going to go through 13 of them. You all can play along with us. This isn't just for me and Nick. This is for you all at home, too. Share your share who you would vote for, um, whether it's the options I present or whether they aren't the options I present. Let me know who you think should be MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, or Coach of the Year, or all that stuff. You know, this is for you all, too. And if you don't know already, you can participate by following the Instagram underscore West Next Podcast underscore. You can watch these episodes on Spotify, RSS.com, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. That is where you can find all What's Next Podcast content. So here we go, NFL Midseason Awards, the first edition. Nick, are you ready to go? I'm absolutely ready to go. All right. So, Nick, we're just going to start right away with a big, with the biggest award, NFL Midseason MVP. There's been a lot of talented players this season, but I think there's four options that particularly stand out, and I want to know which one you think is the MVP at the right now this midseason. So, we got Josh, we got either A, Josh Allen, B, Tyreek Hill, C, Jalen Hurts, or D, Patrick Mahomes. Who do you think is the NFL MVP right now? I love how, uh, for all the viewers, I love how you just snuck Tyreek Hill into it. I mean, listen, Tyreek <laughs> Tyreek's doing his thing. Can't even lie. Tyreek's doing his thing. Uh, in the in the in in, in um Miami and he's almost <laughs> there. He's almost there to a uh, thousand yards already, and we're already midway through the season. He's got eleven hundred. He's got oh yeah, he's got eleven hundred. Uh, as of last game, sorry, I was looking at his stats from the game before, but yeah, dude, Tyreek Hill is that man. But you know, event, you know how these MVPs, you know that one of the most important positions in the game usually gets the MVP, and that's the quarterback position. And you know, just seeing how these quarterbacks are playing right now, and just seeing like who is really dominating right now their position at all at all areas of the game i'm gonna be i'm gonna be frank with you i think it's no doubt about it who the mvp is jalen hurts it's Ooh. jalen hurts it's i know that allen is playing a very tough defensive defensive team and i know that the, that the eagles don't really get to play that that often this schedule you know i think they're i think that if you were an eagles fan i think you would say that your biggest part your biggest games this year have been a division opponents or b the viking and that's really like the, the biggest like you know like things you can see happening in the schedule. Maybe some game down the line. Maybe the Titans can give you a run for your money defensively because they always are. We're just in that time where we're listen like you good nick yeah yeah sorry uh yeah we just we're in that time where we, where we were just like we're in that time where uh right now the like jalen hurts is really playing uh sensational football like he has 12 touchdowns only two interceptions so he's getting he's getting the ball out very quickly uh he's got six rushing touchdowns on the year so he's doing it with his legs and he's the reason why the rpo system for the eagles and nick sirianni's offense is winning so far so yeah i mean I personally think that that is that that's who the MVP is right now. You look at Allen. Allen makes some bad interceptions, some really bad throws, fumbles this season. And Mahomes is good, but I think we're all having voter fatigue at this point. And I think that uh, we all need to just understand that uh, you know it's just not happening right now. So that that that, that that's uh you know Mahomes is great, but. We got to give it to some young upstarts in the NFL, and Jalen Hurts is somebody who's really surprising everyone. I like, as much as I compliment the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think they're the best team in the NFL. <coughs> Sorry, bless, y'all should have said bless you on the West Next Podcast. Thank you all so much. Uh, but I'm actually going to roll with Patrick Mahomes as the NFL MVP. 21 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. His team is doing great right now. 
And yeah, but he and I'm just talking about like consistency. He hadn't had really a bad game this season. You can maybe argue the Bills was a bad game, maybe, but he still he still had 338 yards that game. He was still over 50% completion percentage. And he still threw two touchdowns that game. Like I just think consistency-wise, I think Patrick Mahomes is still the best player in the NBA. I mean, in the NFL, and the most important to his team. I still think he's the most valuable player in the NFL. And I think midway through the season, he has proven that. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think it's it's easily either <laughs> Mahomes or Hurts. I just think like, and in both situations, like if you remove one of them from their team, most likely both their teams aren't going to be that good. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I think if you take Mahomes away from the Chiefs and Hurts away from the Eagles, both the offenses will not look the same. I'm just, I'm really, 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 just think that, that Jalen is just, like, elite in terms of what he can do with his legs. Mahomes is obviously great with his legs, but listen, we've seen Mahomes do this a lot, and maybe it's voter fatigue, I know, but, I mean, I think Jalen has made less mistakes over the season, I think that he's had, you know, some overall great moments of great flashes of greatness a little bit more this season than Mahomes, and that's the only reason why I put him above. I can respect that. And let's get to number two, Defensive Player of the Year award. There's been a lot of great defensive players of the year, and maybe, Nick, you might have someone that's not one of these options, but... Here are the options for Defensive Player of the Year that I list. We have A, Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys, Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns, Jalen Ramsey of the Los Angeles Rams, and Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers. Those are my options. Nick, who do you have? I don't think it's much debate from, from me, or at least people who know me, but I think it's it's Micah Parsons. I mean, Micah yeah. Parsons has been easily like dominant. You would think <laughs> for, for his like slimmer frame coming into the league that he wouldn't that he would be like a more like quicker type of defensive end but no he can do it both ways he can overpower you and he can get to the quarterback i think that's something that is really really valued especially at the edge rusher position in the league i mean as of right now i mean he's got what eight sacks in the season so far uh he's got 36 combined tackles in the season uh he's run back a fumble recovery i dude can just do it all right now He's got a lot of tackles for loss as well. Michael Parsons is someone I think can really be a mainstay in the NFL. Like, like almost as a, um, a Donald type, an Aaron Donald type, but like for the DM oh, wow. position. Like, I, like, I mean, like, well, I mean, because you got to think about it. There's already staples out there right now. There's the Bosa brothers and there's Khalil Mack and everything like that. But I'm, he's, I think as of right now, I think he's maybe not at the top of that list, but he's slowly, you know, like taking over those names slowly. Because listen, they, they're also great players, but it's like, you know, the NFL is like a what have you done for me lately league. And if your stats like overwhelmingly overshadow the others, you know that, you know that um that you're going to be, you're, you're going to get the, the, you know, you're going to get the notoriety more in the league. And I just think that Micah Parsons has done enough to stay relevant and stay that defensive uh, player of the year throughout the season. I think he's going to continue his dominant streak as the season goes on. I think that was a very bold statement to me, but I'm sure he'll appreciate you saying that. Now, three, we got the third award. And I actually agree with you. I think Micah Parsons got that award, by the way. But let's get to three, rookie of the year. There's been a hell of a lot of good rookies this year, especially at the running back position. Three of these options are running backs. But I'm going to talk about the one real quick who isn't a running back for this award. So rookie of the year, we got A, Sauce Garner of the New York Jets. We got, and I'm sorry if I pronounced his name wrong. He's on the Saints, unfortunately for him. So a lot of people don't probably know who he is. But Chris Olave of the uh, New Orleans Saints. Olave. Olave. He's a receiver for the New Orleans Saints. Kenneth Walker of the Seattle Seahawks and Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans. Nick, who do you have winning this award? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I think it's Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker has had a very dominant stretches of being the uh, running back for the future for the Seahawks. Um, I think that he's done some phenomenal things this year. And I know that his yardage total doesn't look as pretty as others right now. But when you look at just sustained drives in the NFL, Kenneth Walker has shown 
a lot of ways that he can progress the ball down the field for the Seattle Seahawks. He is just, he's just that guy. Um, he is really somebody who they could really put the anger on for Seattle in case the passing game is in, in Geno and, and uh, DK are not doing their thing. They can always rely on Kenneth Walker to get some really honest yards and a good first down to move the chains. And yeah, I just think that he's, he's a running back that we all should look out for in the league. He's very, very good. And yeah, that's that's really much all I have to say. I mean, I think I, I mean I, I know that Olave is doing his thing in in uh in the New Orleans Saints, but I, I just gotta look at just like what he's doing with this team and how he has exploded in the last couple of weeks. I think that uh, he is no longer under the radar anymore. Kenneth Walker is clearly a mainstay right now in terms of NFL players, and I think that he rightfully deserves to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, and, and one more thing, because I know that we did not say Offensive Player of the Year. That's where I put Tyree Kill at. Tyree Kill is easily Offensive Player of the Year. Easily. Okay. And it's it's no doubt. Like, it's like Tyree Kill and whoever is behind him. Like, it's just like, he's the Jita. He's saying peace to you while he's taking the while he's taking the awards. Nice shout out to Tyree Kill. I appreciate that. The Dolphins fan, man. I appreciate that. But, I'm not sure. Like, I might, I'm stuck between Kenneth Walker and Sauce Gardner. This is one of those awards that I really couldn't decide. I don't hate the Kenneth Walker argument, and I think he made a really good argument. But I think Sauce Gardner is already one of the best corners in the league right now. So, I'm going to roll with him. I think he had not only proven he can guard the top receivers in the league, but he can shot, but he can shut a few of them down. Like, he has had a huge impact on the New York Jets defense, and he's a big reason why they are as good as they are right now, because he has progressed well beyond what even the Jets thought of he could be, and he got drafted early, so there was a lot of pressure on him. Kenneth Walker got drafted in, what, third round? Like, there wasn't as much pressure on that man. Sauce had all this pressure on him to be really, really good, and not only has he become really good, he's become, I think, elite already, and that's why I'm going to give the award to Sauce Gardner. Wait, so you're doing a rookie of the year? Because what's it called? I, I thought it was always split. I thought it was offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. Wait, rookie of the year. Because if I had, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think it is Sauce Gardner. But for but for my rankings, I put Kenneth Walker for offensive rookie of the year and I put Sauce Gardner as defensive rookie of the year because it just seemed like it's, it's good that way. You both showcase both of how great the both players are. Here's the reason I don't I do not do offensive and then defensive play awards. I don't do it, one, because of time. That's, I'll admit that's part of the reason, timing, and everything. But I think for rookie year, I think you can decipher in offensive and defense. I think you can decipher who is just the overall best player regardless of position and who has just made the biggest impact on their team. Because the most valuable player has a lot to do with impact on the team. As much as I think Kenneth Walker has done phenomenal for the Seahawks, I just think, and, I, and Nick, it sounds like you agree, Sauce Gardner is just the best overall rookie of the class this year, as of right now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that there's no doubt about that, Sauce Gardner. I mean, you saw what happened in the Bills game. He, I mean, he locked up just Bills receivers, like, left and right. I mean, he's he's something he's doing sensational with the Jets, and he's exactly the type of corner that, that um Robert Sala would love to have and clearly one of the leaders on that defense. I think this should be fun. Comeback Player of the Year award. Uh, we got a lot. There's a lot of options you can roll with for Comeback Player of the Year, but I have deciphered four different players. Nick, maybe you have someone who's outside of the options, but I'm going to give you the options that we have right now. So we got A. Geno Smith of the Seattle Seahawks, Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, Chris McCaffrey of now the San Francisco 49ers, Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick, who do you got? Okay, so if I had to give, well, there was one that I, I didn't, I didn't have like a, I know you definitely didn't have this in here, but if I had to pick the the, the best uh, winner of a trade, it would be Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey obviously went to the Seahawks to, to the uh, 49ers and he did. He, he in his first game there, he threw a touchdown, rushed a touchdown, and then received a touchdown. So he did his Stop thing. But, sorry, that was yeah. Sorry, second game that he was there. The first game against the Chiefs, he didn't really know the playbook. So I'll, 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 I'll give him, I'll give him some leeway with that. But 
Is there really any other option other than Geno Smith? Let's be completely hey. honest here. Saquon's doing phenomenal. What are you talking about? Yeah, but like, come back from doing what? The injuries. Yes, and I, I, I get that, and I, I love Saquon. And, you know, early in the year, he was he, he honestly was an MVP candidate of mine. I think he's, I think he's a fantastic player. Geno Smith has come back from, like, I know Saquon has come back from injuries. Geno has come back from quarterback purgatory. Quarterback, backup quarterback purgatory. He was a starter all the way back in, I forgot the year, 2014. Yeah, like forever, right? 2015, somewhere along. I think he was the one that ultimately got replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Jets. I think that's where his career kind of slowly tampered off. But, listen, like, he was a back pretty much his entire career after that. Nobody gave him a shot. People signed him to, to you know, become a backup quarterback and to get his shot to be a backup. Not to be a star, just to be a backup. He had shots to be a backup. He signed a lot of contracts. Ended up with Pete Carroll in, in Seattle. I thought for sure that during the season I was like, well, why don't you just give the job to Drew Locke? Because I know Drew isn't very obviously well smart enough quarterback, but we know what Geno is. He's a, I said to my I said to myself I was like we know what Geno is. Geno's a back like like Geno like he's been a backup and he has continued to stay a backup. But man, has he proved me wrong? And has he proved this entire league wrong? Geno Smith is easily the, the the comeback of the year. And then like I'll just add this too. Most surprising team is also the Seattle Seahawks. And guess yeah. what? It's because of the comeback player of the year, Geno Smith. Like, like, I mean, like, Geno is is doing something absolutely phenomenal right now. Like, if you look at his stats right now during the season, he has 15 touchdowns and four interceptions. He has a 107.2 passer rating. And guess who leads the the, the league in completions with 73%? It's Geno Smith. He is outdueling the quarterback that eventually left to Denver and and just left his old team in the dust. The backup is outplaying the quote-unquote Hall of Fame quarterback. Is there anything and, and and you could see that Pete Carroll clearly has faith in him. Like he clearly has faith in him and he knows that he can run his offense through Geno and this run game. And kudos to Geno, he's easily comeback player of the year. I'm not sure I would quite say easily comeback player of the year because I think Saquon Barkley would have something to say about that. But I will still roll with Geno Smith at the comeback player of the year. Just because of what you, I mean, because of what you said, but also think about this. He was, back in 2013 and when he got drafted, it was 2013 when he got into the league and was a starting quarterback for the New York Jets. He, he's, he threw 12 touchdowns and 21 interceptions, had a QBR of 66.5, was on the Jets for another three years, doing pretty much nothing, and then was a back, I mean, he was a backup for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. For seven years, he was a backup before he finally got an opportunity to start this year, and boy, I mean, I'm not sure what Seattle's going to do in the offseason, but they might seriously have to consider extending Geno Smith. They might seriously have to consider it, especially after a season like this. I mean, I know he's slightly older. Like, he's not he's not an old dude, even. Like, he's still, like, what, 31, 32? I think he's 30 or 31. He's not even, by by this age of the NFL, that's nothing. Yeah, I mean, you got Tom Brady playing until 45, so shit, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You might All that conditioning. To, you might have to extend Geno Smith after this season if he continues playing the way he does. I mean, he is, because... Right now they are the number one, they right now they are the number one seed in their division and they might go to the playoffs. I'm not saying they will for sure for sure. I mean you got some tough teams. I mean Sam, as far as the talent is concerned, they're not necessarily playing well. You know the especially the Rams in Arizona, which we'll get to in a minute. But the Seattle looks good right now, and a lot of it had to do 
with Geno Smith, so I'm rolling with Geno Smith. But not it's not close because I think you're disrespecting Saquon Barkley a little bit. No, I'm not. I think I think if if if, if this season if this Geno Smith season did not exist, I would easily say Saquon. But because Saquon, but because Saquon has to deal with a guy who hasn't been a starter in the league for like what seven years and has finally gotten a shot and replaced a Hall of Fame quarterback, is why this is the comeback of all comebacks. Might I'm not sure if it's as comebacky as Alex Smith getting his leg almost severed off and coming not back quite. to eventually play that that's a different type of comeback and i know that that safety <laughs> had injuries like that and he had to fight behind a bad offensive line that has also done that to him but listen gino we didn't know that gino would ever start in the league let alone look this good so that's why i say easily gino that's fair okay and we speak, we're talking about players that we have high praise for two players that we will have quite a bit of criticism for because we're now going to talk about the underwhelming player of the year uh this midseason and i think there's quite a few people who have been underwhelming this season but i think these people in particular stand out nick if you have another option please let me know but for this but for this i have either a aaron Rodgers, b your boy tom brady c trevor lawrence or d russell wilson i'll say this that's a very good list perhaps Derek carr should also be added to that list perhaps okay. other quarterbacks should be added to that list matthew stafford should be added to that list mm-hmm. but Ultimately, I mean, how could you, I mean, like, it really comes down to either A, Aaron Rodgers, or you said D, Russell Wilson. But ultimately, I think it's A-Rod. Because, because you don't have Devontae Adams, and you look pretty one-dimensional without the guy. And because not just, you are coming back two MVP seasons. And I know that, that, that your receivers aren't up to par as you once had in your career. But sorry, but you, A-Rod, you have to take accountability for yourself. Those three interceptions... In, in, in the Lions game, did not just come out of nowhere, okay? He can throw up his arms all he wants and try to call for a penalty or try to try to blame LaFleur or his coaches or his players or try to throw anybody else under the bus that he possibly can. But at certain points, you just have to just take back, take a step back and own it that you are doing horrible. And I think that he might be on the steps to finally realizing that. I listened to his press conference and he looked defeated, completely defeated. And yep. he should know that those interceptions are on him and his poor play is on him. I mean, obviously the running game isn't doing anything for them either. Like both Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are both on very bad offenses. But I mean, <coughs> at some point you have to be the guy who is the multiple time MVP to try and get something out of these young guys to get some sort of plays out. To work with your offensive coordinator and work with the coaching staff and work with your quarterback room and come up with plays that will help your team win the game. It's a sad state of affairs to see what A-Rod is going through right now and him potentially being the big villain in, in, in the in the Packers right now. He's almost like the CM Punk of the, of the NFL right yeah, now. Yeah, right. He really is really right now. Yeah, but um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's just gotta. I think, listen, like Russell went to a team and he's you a know, Broncos country, let's ride, and all those cringy subway commercials, right? We get that, right? But mm-hmm. this guy, but Russell was already on a Seahawks team that was bad, but like, and 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 starting to come out of that and went to another team that's bad, and he's also doing bad. But like, Aaron Rodgers is coming off an MVP season, and the drop off is just so drastic. There's no way I can just not put him at one. You know what? You actually convinced me to go with Aaron Rodgers. I was originally gonna go with Russell Wilson because. There is Super Bowl expectations for Russell Wilson on the Denver Broncos. I mean, you had Jared Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah, no, not Noah, Noah fan, because the Seahawks not Noah fan, but they had weapons, they had a good defense. Russell Wilson is this Super Bowl winning quarterback and all this stuff, big free agency signing. You expect him to come in and really make an impact, and he has just been a total dud. But you're right, Aaron Rodgers needs to get this award. Um, if anything, just to own accountability, like you said, like this man, at least Russell Wilson isn't blaming everybody else for his poor play. Aaron Rodgers is blaming, it seems like he's blaming everybody else. Matt he's he's subtly pointing the finger. Subtly, subtly. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not gonna outright say, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is Alan Lazard's fault, man. Like he ain't, he ain't gonna do that. But I mean, I mean, I mean, you saw when he called Amari Rodgers just like a punt returner, and then somebody asks, "Is that it?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's it. He's a punt returner." I mean, like, if that isn't yeah. a subtle jab, I don't know what is. <laughs> like, very disrespectful. Yeah, and uh, you know, you know what you were talking about. Like, I know the, the that when Russell made the jump, there's Super Bowl a- aspirations, right? <laughs> Every time the Packers are on the field with Aaron Rodgers. They are not just playoff aspirations. They're NFC North leader aspirations tied mm-hmm. to that every single season, let alone coming off of two back-to-back MVP seasons. <coughs> yeah. he's, he's obviously the most disappointing player, but do we want to get to the most disappointing team? Uh, we absolutely do. There have been quite a few disappointing teams. I think these are amongst the most disappointing. Nick, tell me if you agree. We got, A, the Green Bay Packers. Like, a lot of it had to do with Aaron Rodgers. Your boys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This might be a surprise to you that people, a lot of people aren't mentioning, but three, the Arizona Cardinals, and four, the Denver Broncos. Nick, who do you got? Well, you could also throw Indianapolis on that list. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're gonna. I think so. I mean, people thought that really that they were they were trying to aim for like a a storyline where like Matt Ryan was gonna be have like a, a Matthew Stafford type of like comeuppance and he was gonna lead this team into another playoff win. That did not. That was not the case. Um, I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you. It's none of those teams that are the are oh, the really? most disappointing. It's it's easily for me. It's easily the Oakland Raiders. Like, I mean, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. God, I still think they're in Oakland. Um, like, damn, where do you start? Your quarterback is playing bad. Your whole offense is playing bad. Your run game isn't as good. Uh, your defense is letting people with, you know, like two win teams go down the field. Absolutely atrocious to watch. I'm so surprised that Frank Wright got the ax right now. And I don't know, because I know that for all of you who don't know, Frank Wright got fired today as of, Monday, November 7th, 2022. And I'm so surprised how Josh McDaniels didn't get the axe before him because he was clearly worse. We're just at a, a sad state of affairs for the for the Las Vegas Raiders. An entire rebuild might be in store for these guys after how bad this season has been. And it's just, it's it's I, I can't see a great way out of this, this one. And, and this is a team that I think that a lot of people actually picked to win the division this year. Some people did. Some people had them at least being second. Some people didn't even have these guys placing fourth. Some people had the Denver Broncos in, in like in like third. I mean, like like you know, like above the Broncos, everybody, everybody. But by hook or by crook, this team is only has like two wins this season. It's absolutely atrocious to watch. Bad football, and they they clearly missed the mark in terms of their offensive firepower. And it's sad. It's sad to see them like this. There's a lot of disappointing teams this season. I mean, you just named one of them, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, they are quite disappointing. They're not my most disappointing team. I'm going to uh, say my most disappointing team and then shout out another disappointing team. So I'm a I'm actually going to say that the Green Bay Packers are the most disappointing team this season. But I really want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals being very disappointing. Be it I get it, they're in a tough division, but. This was supposed to be Kyle Murray's ascension to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Boy, does it not look like that. Uh, they are in games, but always disappoint in the end. They also got whooped. They also been whooped a few times, and they're three and six right now. When they put all this time into, you know, stacking the deck so they can win and make the playoffs, and they look like they're going nowhere near the playoffs right now. With the way the Seattle Seahawks are playing, be it the Rams are bad too, but they're at least a Super Bowl. They're at least a Super Bowl champ, so you kind of have hope for them still somewhat. San Francisco, the good team. Like I got shout out Arizona for being just fucking disappointing as hell. They should be a lot better than three and six, and they just they're, they're the team that's not going anywhere. They're they you they pay they pay these people like they're supposed to go up here. Meanwhile, you do all this work to make the roster as good as it is, and they just stay 
and by and what I'm doing there is like a you know straight line and then a he's plot. Flat line. Yeah, a little, little quick plot. He's, for he's, this he's derailing everyone. Yeah, I'm derailing. There you go. Yeah, I got shout out the Arizona Cardinals for being trash, but I think the most disappointing team is the Green Bay Packers. They're supposed to be a lot better than they are right now. I, mean, I, 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 I agree with that. I agree with that. But um, I, I do think Arizona and Green Bay are obviously disappointing. I just thought that I'm not gonna lie. I will also shout Indianapolis because I also think Indy was very disappointing. I think a lot of people thought they would win the South this year, and that clearly. That's not going their way at all. It was funny. I was originally going to pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but y'all won last night. So I can't – and y'all are still sitting at the top of the division. So, it's like, y'all still, y'all can still make the playoffs. So it's like, how disappointing are you really if you can still make the playoffs despite you really shouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs at, at a low, below 500 record? But I mean, hey, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I don't think we should any, be anywhere. <laughs> we're in a bad division. That's the reason why we're still in it. But, I mean, like, yeah, we do, we do have four wins at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> Some exactly. people still have, like, there are far worse teams, like, more disappointing teams that should have a lot more, but have a lot less than the Bucks. And, I don't know, it's just, yeah, Packers are obviously one, Indies one, there, there's a bunch of them. But I am not dis, I am not disappointed with your disappointment team. That's fair. And, you know what, so we talked about disappointing teams, we talked about disappointing players. I want to talk about the good, the good, because we've been talking about a lot of disappointment, a lot of, Failure. Let's talk about teams that have really exceeded our expectations this year and done so damn well. So, you know, we'll go to Best Surprise Team of the Year Award. We have four options. I think it has to be in these options for both of us. We got the Eagles, who are still undefeated as of right now. You got the Jets, you know, who will sit at 6-3. and three. You got the Giants, who sit at 6-3, and three, I think. And then you got the Seattle Seahawks, who also sit at six and three. And I think I think that all of these teams share one thing in common: they all have people who are in the running for Coach of the Year. So that's something to also watch out for. <laughs> if I had to pick one, well, I also throw this out there because I also wrote most underrated team here, and I clearly think that one guy that people that team that has just flown under the radar are easily the Vikings. No one's talking about the Vikings. You're right. And it's honestly hilarious because they are leading the North. All everybody wants to talk about is how they're Aaron Rodgers is the What's up? They're, they're the second best team in the NFL record-wise. And- I, I know. It, 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 it's it's mind-boggling. And, like, no one, no one like, gives them any props because they have Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. And, you know, they, they, they win games under the radar. And, uh, like, obviously all their performances are, are not really televised as much as us on the, on the East Coast. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is, but everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers and how bad the Packers are while the while the, the Vikings have just claimed the North spot. But that's my most underrated team. But my most surprising team are one of the four that you've listed, and it was very close. It's very close either between – because the Jets, I didn't even think the Jets would even be in the running for division leader. That's crazy. Um, and there's a good chance in the AFC, there's a good chance that, that – that, those three, Miami, Jets, and Bills, might all make the playoffs in, in a scenario yeah, there's a, and even doing there's a scenario where all four of those teams can make the playoffs. So, damn, actually the Jets have really thrown me off now. I'm really debating on myself right now on this podcast of who I would put at one. Well, you said the Jets. Who's your other option? It's a three-way tie, honestly. It's between the Jets, the Giants, and the Seahawks. I knew the Eagles were going to be good. I knew the Eagles were going to win the the NFC East. I just didn't think they'd be undefeated. I think it's either between the the Jets and because I know that everybody was counting out the Giants, but they they think the Giants would get some wins. Some people thought the Jets would be the worst team in football, and because they always have that feeling. And so, and everybody thought that once Russell left, the Seahawks would just tamper out. Uh, and I think as of right now, I'm just going to give it to the Seahawks because yeah. nobody, 
absolutely nobody on this earth chose the Seahawks to win this division. Nope. And look what they are doing. They're winning the division. They are outclassing the Niners, who are probably one of the most middest teams right now. And like, mid is probably the word I would like to describe the Niners. The Arizona yeah. Cardinals, who have you said have been disappointing, you can blame Kyler and a double XP weekend on Modern Warfare 2. Uh, you, can, you can also... And then the Rams have been... If there was any a Super Bowl drop off, it's it's the Los Angeles Rams. God, Matthew Stafford, what a way, what a it way to like throw him over. Yeah, dude, dude, what a way to regress, right? Right after you win the big one, <laughs> hell of a time to regress, right? But no, they they're doing it with a rookie of the year with a with a, with a uh, offensive rookie of the year candidate, with a comeback player of the year candidate, and a guy who was a backup for seven years, a guy a guy coaching who was in his seventies, and nobody thought that his coaching style was good enough to still succeed in the NFL. A defense that everybody already wrote off, and just like an O line that nobody thought would be good enough to protect their quarterback anyway. They, you name every single thing that I've said. There's always been pushback about those topics about the Seattle Seahawks. Some people did have the Jets doing decently. No, some people, since we are from the Jersey area, did think the Giants were going to be decently good, mm. maybe like a sub 500 team. But nobody chose the Seahawks. Nobody to to win anything remotely past like four games this season. It's in my opinion, it is the Seattle Seahawks. I agree. I agree with you. I, I was debating between the Jets and the um, Seahawks, but I'm going to roll with the Seahawks for all the reasons that you listed. I'll admit, I had them I had the second worst team in the NFL by the end of the season. I thought it was going to be Houston and then the Seahawks at the two worst teams in the NFL. But, shoot, we are getting New York Jets Geno. We're, like you said, we're getting now Geno, and now Geno is legit. And it's not even like he's playing whack teams. He's had a, He's been having low-key a tough schedule. He's, he's, his, his division plays harder than any division plays against each other. Right. Like, there's no bad defense in his division, and he's cooking everybody right now. Like, I mean, you only have four interceptions. Like, you went from having 21 in a season to you're midway through a season, and you only have four. Like, it's incredible what Gino's And, and he, he's leading the lead in completion percentage by 73%. That's <laughs> unheard insane, of. Which is absolutely insane. Almost completing three-fourths of his passes in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's some, I mean, and then not even just talking about Geno and Walker. I mean, their defense is doing very well right now. Like their secondary with Diggs and everyone, with Diggs and everyone, they're doing extremely well. I mean, you got shit. You got the offensive line doing extremely well. Metcalf and Lockett catching touchdowns left and right. Like the Seahawks are for real. I think, and I think they're the most. I think they are a more legitimate threat right now than the Jets are. Might be bold. To say, but I honestly think the Seahawks are more of a threat when it all right now than the New York Jets are. I believe in the Seahawks more than the Jets. Like, let's say if the Seahawks and the Jets met, met in the Super Bowl. I know it's a crazy thing, but if they ever did meet in the Super Bowl, I honestly think the Seahawks would win that matchup because they have more they have more offensive potency than the New York Jets have right now. Like, it's just it's just a truth. I I think that you know, and you know, the Seattle defense isn't as good, but. <laughs> You're really gonna count out Metcalf and Lockett and Gino and Kenneth Walker the third like at this point? I don't think you can count out all those guys. I think that I think that they, if there was a Seahawks Jets matchup right now, I think the Seahawks would take it and being headed by a potential Coach of the Year candidate. I hear you, yeah. man. Um, and should, we, should we really quick? Should we do Coach of the Year? Let's do it right now, man. Coach it's, of the Year. Yeah, it, it's it's really I don't know about your four, but my four is just the same teams that you name. It's Nick Sirianni, Coach of the Eagles. Brian mm-hmm. Dable, coach of the Giants, Robert Sala, coach of the Jets, and Pete Carroll, coach of the Seahawks. And this is this is tough. You got it. This is tough. Sirianni has his team undefeated right now, and I think right. he's been he's he has he had his team on a winning record ever since he stepped foot as the Eagles coach. Um, Brian Dable has turned 
a new leaf with Daniel Jones and is actually making him a productive football player and is turning Saquon back into the Saquon of old. Like, he is lighting it up. Like, it looked like Saquon never got injured. Oh, my God. Their defense plays so hard, too. Um, the, Je- the Jets are top 10 in almost every single defensive category this season. It's mm-hmm. absolutely insane the way that Robert Sala has crafted one of the best defenses in this game. And Pete Carroll has taken a team to forgettable to ungoddamn deniable. Like, like a team that no one had to even remotely say they'd win more than four games to a team that poised to take their division. So A tough one, too. A tough division, too. And, man... Am I going to, like, I've already picked Kenneth Walker as my offensive rookie of the year. I put Geno as my, my my comeback player of the year. I put the Seahawks as the most surprising team. Am I going to put Pete Carroll as my as my coach of the year? I don't, I, I, it sounds like I want to. <laughs> sounds like I want to. But to show respect for the New York team, that's tough. It's either between Dable or, Dable is the only coach I know that, that they're, his fans go to the stadium with, with, with red and blue sh- uh, shirts of just his face on it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Robert Sala is doing a sensational job in crafting one of the greatest defenses I've seen in the modern era. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to say it's Robert Sala. I think that he's crafted a very good run game. I think that he's, his team is competitive all the way through, regardless if his quarterback decides to play good or not. And I think that the Jets are just fantastic. They're fantastic. They are. And uh, I like that all. I like that three of the four teams are East Coast teams, Northeast Coast teams, right where we're at. You got Philly and two New York teams as with phenomenal coaches. That's and, and then the most teams. West of the West teams. <clears throat> yeah, and then you got yeah, and then you got the far far West. Like, <clears throat> sorry for the cough there. Um, I'm going to roll with actually the Giants. I'm going to roll with Brian Duvall as the coach of the year right now. And the reason why is I think as a team, he's making the team look better than it did before. I think he does the best job of making the team look good. I think the Seahawks have done a good job of making Geno look good. And I think they've done a good job on the defensive side, but I don't think he's made anyone. I'm not sure if he his coaching has made anyone better than they actually are. You know, I think that I think because of the coaching, Daniel Jones looks better than he ever has. I think because of the coaching, the secondary looks as good as it ever has. Uh, I think it's because of the way they're scheming things. The linebackers look good than they ever have, or they are that, or as they actually are. Like I think the most coaching is going on in New York Giants territory. Like just watching the Giants like live in person. Uh, at MetLife Stadium, watching them face Lamar Jackson and everything. The New York Giants did a good job of just being at the right place at the right time for the probably the most dangerous quarterback dual threat we ever seen in NFL history, in my opinion, with Lamar Jackson. They were always just at the right place at the right time, and that had a lot to do with coaching. So for that reason, I'm a roll with the New York Giants. Okay, I, like I said, I don't think that honestly, even even Sirianni too, because Sirianni's doing a fantastic job with the Eagles. I don't think any of these teams, any of these coaches, deserve it less. I don't think they they deserve it less. But it's really pick, picking picking a needle in a haystack here. Like it's it's very it's very tough. So much good football from these teams. So it was really tough. All right, as we're about to wrap up here, I want to make sure you all remember to go follow the West Next Podcast underscore West Next Podcast underscore. I want you all to make sure you check out the latest episode of West Next Podcast. My clubbing and partying experiences that is out on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, RSS.com, and Google Podcasts. And I don't want y'all to forget to keep on checking the stories as we post stories on the West Next Podcast virtually every day. So make sure to check out the stories, view that, repost, share, do all that stuff with your friends. And with that being said, we got two more categories to go. So, Nick, 
<clears throat> we're going to do a fun one here. We're going to talk about game of the year. There have been a lot of fun games uh, this season, and I think these games, I mean, I'm sure you might have one that's different, but I think these games stand out are the most exciting games of the NFL season. Got it. Let's go. All right. So my options here are week two of the NFL season, the Dolphins versus the Ravens in that historic Dolphins 21-point comeback in the fourth quarter. I got week six, week six, the Bills versus the Chiefs in that banger of a game where the Chiefs, where the, I think the Bills, sorry, the Bills won that game. So I'm going to roll, so that's another good one. The Panthers and the Falcons week eight in that barn burner of a matchup. And then finally, week two, Jets versus the new versus the Cleveland Browns where I think the Jets officially arrived in that game. So, Nick, unless you have a different game, what do you got? Uh so I do have a different game, but I'm not gonna lie. I think that all of those if I had to choose of your list, there'd be two of them and it would probably be the uh the uh miracle Miami game where Tua came back and won. Or it would be it would be the uh Panthers and the Falcons. Yeah, that was just sensational. That's my place. Yeah that that was absolutely sensational. But honestly I am gonna go with one that a lot of people don't really think that they I would have and it was just it was just really a fun game to watch. I think it was the matchup between the Giants and the Jaguars. I think that that matchup was very... Because, because listen, I'm just a fan of overall football, right? And, listen, the game had every single thing you wanted as a football fan. It had turnovers. It had dominant runs. Uh, Daniel Jones had, like, 100 yards that game on the ground. And Saquon obviously did his thing to help that team win. Uh, both their teams played their... There was defensive stops. You know, there was field goal touchdowns. I think the Giants ended up winning that game, I believe, 23-17. to 17. It was a very decently scoring matchup, and I, it was just really fun. It was also really fun to see... Um, like, I know that a lot of people really like when games are very close, but there was a point in the game where the Jags turned the ball over late to the over to the Giants, and the Giants just had to run the clock out, and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley just didn't give the Jags an opportunity to do that, and it's just like really fun to see a team impose their offensive will against their opponent in the last minute, so that's why I'd have to go with the Jags and the Giants, but the team, the, the, the games you listed, either the Ravens and the Dolphins, or I'm probably going to say the ones you listed, the Falcons and the Panthers are probably the best. That's my that's my uh, answer here. I thought, I mean, that just, that game had, obviously, great offense, surprises, PJ Walker played phenomenal in that game, like, that was like a big game for someone you didn't expect to even be in the game, and PJ Walker just killed it, that was fun. Uh, you got key yeah, key moments like like uh, the Panthers kicker missing that field goal at the end, which cost them the whole game. I mean, you had you had key penalties. Uh, I mean, and the and this was for the um, top of the division at the time, right? So, well, like, not top of the division. The Panthers were still like they, they would if they won, they would have had three wins. But the, that, you know. that would got them the top of the division at that time because oh yeah, actually you know what? it might have yeah it might have yeah. been for the top of the division. Yeah, it was for the top of the division because the Panthers did beat the Bucks, so they mm-hmm. had the tiebreaker. So yep. it, it it meant a lot. It was fun. I wanted the Panthers to win um because I like PJ Walker and it was just would have been a cool story, but it it was a fun game. That's all I gotta say. <clears throat> and then finally. We got the final award that we have here. Nick, I'm going to call this the NFL Story of the Year Award. What storyline has been the best in the NFL? What's the best NFL storyline? What's the most intriguing storyline right now in the NFL? I know you, I, I have a feeling I know you have different options. This was hard to pick, but here's the one I came up with. You got the Ravens still not paying Lamar Jackson. You got Tom Brady, Tom Brady's NFL return in the Duddest, it's been low-key. You got the benching of quarterbacks this season. There, 
there's been just uh, so many quarterbacks benched this year that that's just a big story to me. And then the Deshaun Watson saga. All the stuff that's been going on with Deshaun Watson. Okay, so as a Bucks fan, I'm not going to lie to you guys. The what, What's been happening with Brady has been entertaining, to say the least, right? I mean, mm-hmm. good God, I mean, we've been here talking about his divorce for the past, like, three episodes on this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, if we had to, I personally think the underdog story is always a good one. And for some reason, this team is always the underdog, even when they won the Super Bowl some odd years ago. And I think right now it's the Philadelphia Eagles and the sustainability of their undefeated season. I think that's probably the biggest right now. It's either that or it's really to see how far the the Seahawks can really do some damage in the postseason. I think a lot of people are, are thinking that the Seahawks are going to make the postseason um, as the division leaders. For me, people are just continuously counting out like Jalen Hurts in this offense uh, and for no good reason, in my opinion. Like, I just think that, yeah, they beat up on bad teams, but that's the schedule that they're dealt with. So you can't really be mad about that. And also, their division is also insanely tough. And if they can get it done against their opponents, and we'll see how how, how they look against Dak Prescott in the, in the Cowboys. And that's an interesting matchup. But, uh, and I can't wait to see them play the Giants. But listen, I think the most intriguing thing is if the Eagles do eventually go all the way in, 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 in the NFC, could they stand up to an AFC powerhouse? Like, could they, like, like okay, this is an interesting one, because it has to do with your team. What if Miami somehow makes a Super Bowl and goes against the Eagles? Like, Miami's a good mm-hmm. opponent, right? Like, yeah. could both Bam, both former Bama quarterbacks, one bench the other Bama quarterback, and he went to Oklahoma, right? They mm-hmm. fight in Super Bowl. That's a narrative right on its own, right? Could Jalen Hurts do it against that team, right? Could they, could he, could not defensively, obviously, you know that, but could, yeah. could they score enough points to keep Tua's offense at bay? Or, or, um... If they fought the Bills or the Chiefs, obviously, could they be a, a potent enough offense to score against those teams to win the game? I think that's the most intriguing storyline to me in the NFL. The most intriguing storyline in the NFL right now, and it's it's the t- it's a very tough choice because there's quite a few. I'm actually gonna, and people are gonna be surprised. I'm gonna mine it the Ravens not paying Lamar Jackson. I think it is incre. I think it is incredibly embarrassing of the Ravens that they have not reached an agreement with Lamar Jackson yet. I think they should be paying him like a top. If, even if you had to pay him like the best quarterback in the league right now, I think you do it. Uh, because this man, the fact that he is playing right now, says a lot about his character and how much he loves the game and how much he loves the city. So the fact, and he and he's doing well right now. Like Lamar Jackson's doing quite well. The Ravens are doing quite well right now. And the fact that he is still playing. And he held up that sign at the end of the Tampa Bay game saying, pay Lamar Jackson, like, give me, give me a little signal adding to the storyline. Like, hey, motherfuckers, you, gotta, you, you better start paying me soon because uh, you might have you might be in for a rough offseason if you don't. So I think that's a fun storyline. and I think it's going to get more intriguing as it goes along. The Ravens, to me, are clearly the enemy in this storyline. Unless, actually, no. Yeah, no. The Ravens are definitively the enemy here. I can't imagine Lamar being difficult at the negotiation table. Cause even if you do have to pay him like the best in the NFL, I think you should. You do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, listen, I don't, I don't, in my opinion, like I, I said this before, it's not that I don't have faith in Lamar Jackson. I just think that he ends up being a little bit on the outside of the top quarterbacks. Even then, you still pay the man. Like you still yeah. give him top dollar. Like because one, he's a former league MVP. Two, he's absolutely dangerous with the football. Right? Like either marketable. His, either marketable. Like he's dangerous either either to his detriment or to his playoff success. Right? Or yeah. um, like no matter what, he's dangerous for you good or he's dangerous for you bad. But listen, he he's he's just a, he's a, he'll sell out your stadium. Like the dude is just like he's box office. Like he he'll, he's he's a human highlight reel. And the most biggest the biggest thing in my opinion is what are your alternatives if 
Lamar right. doesn't work out. Like, you went from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Like, I know that Lamar, I haven't really given him a lot of faith on this podcast, but dude, he's 10 times the quarterback that Joe Flacco ever won. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I don't know what y'all want me to say. Lamar has, should be get, should should have been paid. There is a big, big, big conversation about us NFL fans about Greg Roman's offense and if it's actually holding Lamar Jackson back. Um, now, that being said, if his contract does expire and there's no deal being made, then why doesn't he just test that theory and go to another team that that could, quote-unquote, unlock his full potential? You got a point. I think that's why it's so interesting right now, just all the different dynamics to the story, all the different subplots that can go on here. But- I, I, I think I think that... Uh, I think it's interesting. Sorry, I don't like. I don't hate your pick. I think that it'll get more interesting though if we end up going past the Super Bowl and nothing has been heard of. I think that's more interesting. I think if, if no one has heard anything from that point and free agency happens and and uh, Lamar still doesn't have a contract with the Ravens, I think that's where the story gets very intriguing. Would you like Lamar Jackson, uh, Nick? Would you like Lamar Jackson in Tampa Bay? I think he has a deep ball, which is what. Uh, the no risk and no biscuit offense is all about. He is absolutely phenomenal with his legs, which which we need a running game desperately. So without it, even though I've always said he's not like the top top of the QB list, yeah, without a doubt, give him to me in a fucking heartbeat. God, I need I I can't I can't have somebody stoic in the pocket like Brady anymore. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. We are in a new NFL now. We're in a new NFL. We need guys who can run and throw the football. Lamar ever came to Tampa, you throw all the dollar signs at the man. There you go. So with that being said, thank you all for watching the What's Next Podcast. My name is Ben Chanel Wilkins. I've been Nick Provenzano. Make sure to check out all these episodes on the What's Next Podcast. This is What's Next Podcast, episode eight. Sorry for the sorry for last week for uh, no show. We kinda went on a bye week ourselves uh that week, but we will be back every week with new episodes, new ideas, and just and just sharing with all y'all. So much love to y'all. Thank you for watching What's Next Podcast. In the meantime, peace out.